friend, man, you, you braved the weather, man, pumped you're here, and uh, man, I'm pumped to be here, glad you came. So like you said, man, my name's Buck, and uh, always, always, always a privilege uh, to be in Vidalia, and uh, man, this is uh, what I would consider my home church, our sending church, and so man, it's, it's always cool to see uh, old friends, people I went to school with, some of you that, man, you've been uh, a part of this ministry since it started, when it was 12 people in a living room. And this simple vision uh, to, to keep it all about the gospel and making uh, disciples. And so, man, uh, what, what's neat and what I think about that, um, it's kind of like the church in Antioch. And, and when I come back, I just, I, I'm overjoyed by what God's doing here. But I also want to share that through you guys, who is our sending church, um, what God's doing in Dublin. And man, that church was planted six years ago. Uh, this church blessed us off and sent us. And since that day... Uh, over 300 people have been baptized because of your willingness to send uh, and your willingness to, to, make, to make disciples. And so um, I, I don't want to miss this moment also to, to let you know if you're new here, maybe you've been coming, um, um, just how much you are blessed by your pastor and your staff. And that I would still consider Billy uh, my, my pastor and, uh, man, the one who really discipled me, mentored me, invested in me. And then also, man, not only is he a pastor, but he's been a great friend to me. Uh, even when the chips were down in my life and, and walking through a difficult season, listen, when you find a friend who will walk with you in the storms of life, you got something. You got something. And I have that in Billy. And, and, and if you guys know uh, Ethan, Ethan's my brother-in-law, uh, incredibly passionate about seeking the face of the Lord uh, and, and all about missions. And I could say something about Andrew, all of your staff, man, you are a blessed people who have pastors that are serious about the Lord and they love you and care for you. Uh, but today, man, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We'll be in John chapter 3, continuing on in this series, man, pump for y'all. You get to go through the book of John this year. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about... Uh, Nicodemus. And while you're turning there, um, I, I want to just share and let you know uh, of, about God's heart to send, right? That, that it really when you see uh, Jesus and you see the gospel that what I'm going to share today, that we really are to be open-handed with uh, our lives. And when we're open-handed with God and we have the commitment to send people out, just if you've sent me uh, you, you have sent Bo, and, and people are continuing to be raised up. I want to let you know that in Dublin this year, uh, we're sending our very first church planter to plant Connection Church, Wilkinson County. And so, man, we can celebrate that. And I, I say that, I say that to say that I'm just doing what was modeled for me through you. And so your impact, your faithfulness is literally making a difference all over Georgia, all over the world. But today... Let's dive in. Uh, John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We'll read the entire text through 21. Pray. We're going to hop all in. So it says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. If you're a highlighter, that's your verse right here. Uh, verse 4, it says, uh, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely cannot enter uh, a second time into their mother's womb uh, to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. 
flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except for the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses was lifted up... uh, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Life has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does uh, evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds, that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Church, let's pray. Father, as we we come before you, God, um, I ask you to come and just move in our midst. Uh, Lord, I I pray uh, not for a good sermon. God, I don't pray for church as usual. Uh, Jesus, we want to encounter you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come. And God, I ask, Jesus, I ask that you would hide me behind yourself. And uh, Lord, your word says, if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men unto yourself. So I pray for that. That is my aim. And God, I pray that you would help me to be a good steward of your word and your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So um, there is something I've learned in the Christian life. Uh, There is something powerful about a testimony, right? Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Um, That, that, you know, we can read the words and, and all the things. But when we can tangibly see Jesus do something in our lives and in our midst, there's just something that changes. There's something powerful about a story. Does anyone in here have a testimony that you're like, man, Jesus rescued me, right? And that's personal for us, or maybe we've seen it. And man, uh, there's so much. I could spend the whole day, man, as we were singing that song, The Goodness of God, I finally dried it up a little bit, but I was just weeping at the nine o'clock service because I was thinking back on, man, how incredibly gracious, man, and good God has been in my life. And I want to you know, as I think about what testimony do I share, uh, do I share the testimony of a, a good kid, a religious kid, went to church and was a pretty good guy, got into college um, and just kind of got into stuff and then moved in into a room in a trailer with a guy named Billy Shiver who was on fire for the gospel and, and that's where I really saw what it looked like to have an authentic relationship with Jesus? You know, do I, do I maybe share about uh, my younger brother of really walking through uh, a, a young man becoming a father at 17 and all that came with that, and then him radically meeting Jesus and his whole life just changing? And then I had to deal with like, man, my, my brother was one way, now he's another, and Jesus is the only thing in between. Right? So, so I could tell this testimony, or one more, man. 
You know, maybe I could share the testimony about uh, my, my uncle who, who, who came to know the Lord radically, right? And he came to know the Lord eight days before he fell asleep in Jesus. And just the impact of what I saw, what the gospel could do, and that God, even in the ups and downs, he's always good and he's always on time. And those are testimonies, right? And there's something powerful about sharing stories. And those are some of my stories. And man, if we had more time, uh, I could share more and I'd love to hear yours. But why you should be excited about the book of John that you're studying this year, uh, I want to read with you John 20. And that I love the Bible that it tells us why a lot of times the writers wrote these stories, these books. And he tells us this in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. This is why John wrote this gospel. He wrote it some years after Jesus was resurrected, and, and what he was doing was recounting testimonies, stories that he saw and experienced. And this is why he wrote this book. It says, Jesus performed, this toward the end of the book, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, listen, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, listen, 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 you may have life in his name. That's why he wrote it. That's why he had it. It's not to convince you, not to theologically sway you, not to, so you would read John and think great of John, not so but would preach it, so you think very good but. He wrote it so that you may come to believe and have life, true life, eternal life. And so what you're reading is a compact set of stories and testimonies that John saw and experienced and he wants you to hear them and know them so that you may see Christ and believe right and so this is our why today and so what is my heart it's the same I pray whether you've been following Christ for a while maybe you have come in here and you're like man I'm just trying this church out why is this short dude yelling at me so fast um wherever you're at I want you to see Christ and believe and have life for the first time or if you're in him find fresh life in his name. Amen. Amen. So uh, today we're going to talk about the barriers and the blessings of salvation. The barriers and the blessings. I'm going to talk you through two barriers of receiving this life and the two blessings once you have this life. So uh, let's dive in and let's look at the first three verses. So this is what it says all the way back in John 3. It says, so now there was a Pharisee, that's important, named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, it says he came to Jesus at night, that's important, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who is from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Uh, the first barrier we're going to talk about is the barrier of religion. The barrier of religion. And so to understand this barrier, we have to understand the person of Nicodemus. So Nicodemus uh, was a Pharisee. And so these were the spiritual, the religious elites of the day. And not only was he a Pharisee, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So there was great power, great authority. And man, like he would have known the scriptures. He would have memorized the Torah I mean, my man, when you think of someone righteous, I mean, you put the Pope times 10. I mean, this dude knows his stuff, right? And so uh, he would have been a man of great authority and great understanding. Now, this is funny. Um, why does the Bible tell us that he comes to Jesus at night, right? Cool story if you want to 
cool story for this. This is Nick at night, right? So, uh, Nick, Nick, yeah, it's cool, man. I, we got some, we got some Nickelodeon generation in the house. So, uh, so he comes to Jesus at night. Well, why? Well, because what had happened when Jesus came onto the scene and he began to uh, teach with authority and he began to make claims that he was the Son of God, um, they didn't know what to do with him, and they also uh, they, they also felt threatened by him. They mocked him, ridiculed him, and we learn later they're going to crucify him. Um, but, but like when he was with the Jewish council, they all rejected the claims of Jesus, right? They thought he was uh, a demon-possessed. They thought he was messed up. But Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus knew there was something about this Jesus. He had to learn more. He was curious. I think about it like this. Anybody remember the MSN Messenger AOL days? We got any, about any of those in the house, right? I'm telling you, when B. Benton underscore TC Superstar logged in, I'm looking to chat, right? Right? It's kind of like this. When you're in middle school and, you know, all the, the girls and boys, they all call each other names and they think they, you know, they're not good. They'll, they'll make fun of each other uh, when they're around their buddies, right? But, man, when you get on that messenger and nobody's looking, you're ready to chatter up, right? You know what I'm talking about? And this is what Nicodemus is doing. That he is ridiculing Christ but secretly, he wants to know him. He's drawn to him, and he wants to learn more. So uh, then we have to look at Jesus in this passage, too. So again, Nicodemus uh, is a man of, of great spiritual authority, a righteous man. And, uh, and I love, this is savage Jesus right here. Uh, he, he comes and he tells them, like, he, he's almost paying Jesus a compliment of, like, uh, you know, I approve of you, Jesus. Like, I see the, the works you're doing, and and you must be of God. So it's almost like, it's kind of like the humble brag. You know what I mean? Like, I'm giving you some, some praise and, and whatever. And Jesus, man, savage Jesus. He doesn't exchange pleasantries. He's not impressed that Nicodemus thinks he's approved of or whatever. He immediately says, you need to be born again. I mean, he cut right to the heart of the matter. And I love watching Jesus with people because no matter what the interaction he came to seek and save the lost, and he'll do what he needs to do to speak to someone's heart. I love it. And right here with Pharisee, he speaks to his heart and says, you need to be born again. And basically what that's saying is, you're not right with me. You may look right to God, to the whole world, but I know your heart, and you're not right. And I'm speaking to your heart. And so this is the barrier of religion. If anybody could be saved by works, it'd be Nicodemus. But Nicodemus was lost as the next fellow. So what we're going to talk about uh, a little bit is this narrative. And what Jesus would do, uh, Jesus pushed against the cultural narrative, right? That, that through works of the law that you could be saved and that uh, these religious elites were the way to God. And what Jesus does is he pushes against that narrative and begins to say things like, no one will see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. He says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what he does is he upsets this establishment. Now, I'm going to share a little bit, and I believe this. I believe for revival. I believe God can still do great things. I've seen God do great things. The number one barrier for revival in our part of the world is religion. Number one. Right? A form of godliness absent of the Spirit's power. And so uh, I believe the gospel un upsets religious establishment in our part of the world. And so I want to share some of the things that need to be upset in our cultural 
narrative. And that's this uh, pseudo-religious culture that misses Jesus completely. And so for one, it is the magical prayer gospel, right? And so what that means is uh, you sign the card, you, you get the insurance, and you go on about your life, and things are just believing things are fine, right? And we know in our heart of hearts, like, something don't add up with that. But we have people that believe it and teach it and preach it all the time. Uh, the second one uh, is the political gospel. If you're a conservative that works hard, surely you're going to heaven, right? Uh, another one that's very prevalent in our culture is the church membership gospel. If I get uh, close around God's people, if I give, serve, and I'm a part because my, my mom, dad, or whatever built a church or I go, therefore I must be a Christian. And man, listen, no matter how hard you worked or did or whatever, you know, you're not going to measure up to this guy, Nicodemus. If anyone could get there through the works of the law and by being a member, heck, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And I believe when revival breaks out, man, you'll see leaders getting saved, right? I think it's no different. So we see the church membership gospel. Next is the prosperity gospel. This is I come and give so that I can get. And if I have a blessed life, man, I must be right with God. Billy said it wonderfully. We don't give to God to get. We give to God because we see what he gave us in his son. It's the gospel. It's the true gospel. And then lastly, a false narrative we buy into uh, is that good people go to heaven. And we don't see that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, what we find is that those that thought they were good, like Nicodemus, Jesus had some hard words to say. And then in other passages, we see Jesus take a trip through the desert in the middle of the day to meet a woman caught in adultery, married five times, and said, I want to give you living water. Good people don't go to heaven. Born again people go to heaven, right? That's the point of what we're talking about today. And so we have to talk about this barrier because what I want for you, nothing more, is to have life and have it to the full. And that's what Jesus says he came to do in John 10. 10. So uh, how do we apply this to our life? Man, I, I want you to know something. If you've grown up in this, right, or that's just kind of been your, your you know, kind of don't know where you fall or whatever, this is my word for you. Don't settle for dead religion when you can know a living Savior. Hear that one more time. Don't settle for dead religion when you can know a living Savior because life, true life in Christ is better than any kind of participation in religious things. And I'm telling you, I've done them both. Take that with you. And so we see this barrier of religion. Now I want you to go all the way down. We're going to skip a little bit down. Start me in verse 19 and let's see what it has to say. So, so these beautiful truths are laid out. We're going to come back to them in 4 through 17 and 18. I mean, the, the gospel is beautiful as it can be laid out. But now here's 13, 19, the response. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds, that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Take this with you. We're going to talk about the barrier of religion. I mean, uh, the barrier of rebellion. Say that with you. The barrier of rebellion. And so, really, these are the two camps that everyone on the planet falls into on this side of the cross. Right? Before we come face to face with Christ, we're either uh, in religion or rebellion. And so let's talk about what a life in rebellion looks like. Verse 19, it says, 
Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness. You can highlight that, loved darkness. So what does it mean when light came into the world? So all the way back in Genesis 1, this is the narrative of the Bible that when you think about Jesus, you think about light and life. You're going to see this narrative throughout. That in Genesis 1-3, God spoke. So the first words of God recorded, right? It says God spoke, and what did he say? Let there be life, right? And in that was the spoken word that's Christ, and through Christ, through the word of God, he spoke, and everything you see created in the cosmos was formed. And so we see this thing going out, and then John uh, when Jesus comes onto the scene, John introduces him. In John 1, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says that he was the light of all mankind. And so we see this true light. And, and then Jesus lives this life we could never live, dies a death we deserve to die, resurrected on the third day. And man, listen, this is what heaven's going to be like. Enjoy the sun and the moon now, because what the Bible teaches us in Revelation 21 and 22... Jesus will be the light for us for all eternity. It says we will have no need of the sun or moon. Why? Because we know the light of life. And when you hear that news, we go in one of two directions. We either go to the light or we go to darkness. Now, when it says they love darkness, all throughout, starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, it was rebellion against God. Instead of walking in the light with God... They chose to rebel and go contrary to God. So think about when Eve ate of the tree, uh, ate the fruit of the tree, and Adam too. Uh, it fractured this, and now throughout all history, we are hardwired towards sin and rebellion. I mean, listen, I, I, I know how many of you got kids, man? Like they're just doing stuff you didn't teach them to do. I mean, if you, if you think if your kids are, 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 I mean, I got some kids I can introduce you to. I mean, I, I go home with them. They come hardwired toward darkness and rebellion against God. Now, here's the tricky part. It doesn't say that we will struggle with darkness, but it says light has come to the world, but people loved darkness. Take this with you. Where your time, money, energy, thoughts, and affections go, that's what you love. And we see that the barrier of rebellion is loving darkness. And man, the, the next thing I want you to know is, as you look at it, it says that everyone who, verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light. Why? For fear of their deeds will be exposed. Now, I can talk about this and, 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 and let you know transparently that I know exactly what this is like. Imagine, man, imagine growing up in church and many would have considered me the good guy, the, uh, a good person, you know, one you'd want someone to take their... They're, they're, you know, don't take home with, like that kind of deal. Like would have been considered righteous. But man, when things were dark, when there was nothing to prove to people, I knew what I really wanted and I knew what I really did. And so what it was, was uh, trying to cover and conceal darkness in me and show everyone light so that they would approve of me. And man, that gets miserable. But praise God, Jesus met me in my darkness. Right? And he took it from them. And so it, it basically says that for fear of their deeds being exposed. And remember, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here as he says, man, um, it, it's, it's a humble thing to admit you're wrong and need someone to make you right. Amen? 
That's a, it, it takes a lot of humility to do that. And it's fearful. It's scary to come into the light. Right? Because you don't know what that's going to be like. But man, if I could encourage everyone into the room, when I stepped out of darkness in the light, I got set free. I didn't have to carry it anymore. You know what I mean? And it's many times that fear of not knowing what it's going to be like to step out of the curtain and into the light. But when you do that, you meet a loving Savior who's ready to meet you where you are. And man, they don't get no better than that. But it says, in rebellion, they, they love darkness. They, they ran from the light. Uh, I remember, I mean, this ain't judging anybody's home or anything, but I've had a few. Uh, you ever had some, some, you know, you turn on the light, what did the roaches do? Okay? We'll just say it's in your shed. All right, we'll just go with that. That's more comfortable. When you, when you go out to your shed and you flip the light on, what do the roaches do? They scurry, right? And you'll find that many living in rebellion, when the light of Christ comes, they withdraw. Why? Out of fear of being exposed. But I want to talk about this goodness. Because it says, when we receive this light and walk in it, verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly uh, seen plainly what they have done has been done inside of God. This is it, man. This is my pitch. Why you need church. Why you need a small group if you know Christ. Transparency kills hypocrisy in our life. Hear that again. Transparency kills hypocrisy in our life. That's why we need to continually come into the light and have people in our life that know us. Okay? Um, and so we look at that and then it says... In verse 20, again, it says, for the fear of their deeds being exposed. I want to speak to those deeds. So uh, I'm in Dublin, like I said, I'm a pastor in Dublin. And my, my student and missions pastor, he is one of the greatest evangelists I've ever met in my life. The, the best way I could describe him he is like a ball of fire. And like wherever he gets rolled out during the day, he just lights stuff on fire for Jesus. I, I'm telling you. Waitresses, uh, it don't matter. They don't matter who you are. You get in his line, you, you're going to get lit on fire by some Jesus, Okay. But one of his favorite questions to ask, and I love this, he says, on a 1 to 10, how sure of you that you know Jesus? And that's like a very confronting, like in-your-face question. But man, I love how he rolls that out because understand that in the gospel, there is no five, six, sevens, and eight. There's zeros and tens. And that's good news, amen? I believe many of us live life walking around with a question mark when Jesus went to the cross to give us an exclamation point. And that's good news. So let's look at how we can grow in confidence that when we know Christ. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Now, no, chapter 5, I'm sorry. So in Galatians, I love this because God gives us feedback. Does anybody enjoy feedback or maybe you get frustrated at your work because you don't get feedback? Like you want to know if you're doing good or not, right? Well, well God gives us some really, really clear examples to grow us in our standing with God. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 16. It says this, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. We're going to talk about the Spirit in just a second. But when we come to know Christ, we become a 10. We're saved, delivered, right? 
like set free, born again, and God gives us the Holy Spirit, and what he does is begin to change us. And when he changes us, this is what begins to come out of our life. And it says, um, we're, we're going to be in contrary to the flesh. That's those sinful, dark desires we have. Now there's a light fighting against them. And now, let's look at verse 19. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So when we don't have Christ and we don't have the Spirit or we're walking in rebellion with God, this is what unifies this entire room. This is what will come out of us. This is what our life will look like. No matter what you portray, this is what happens. And God gives us this kind of feedback. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Star highlight, live like this. So what he's telling us here is that there are two trajectories with life. When we come face to face with Christ, we lived in sin and rebellion. But then when we come to face, with, uh, face to face with Christ, our old life, right, we become transformed and we begin to start living a new life in Christ. Now I want to be transparent with everyone in here. The reason I had you star live like this, that did not say struggle with this. You're talking to a guy sitting with the word right here that I struggle with those fleshly desires every day. Every single day. I don't wake up and float around to Jesus. I wake up and it's mad. My wife took my covers and, and I'm mad, right? So we wake up in the flesh, but man, we need to submit to the Spirit so that we can produce the fruits of the Spirit. But let me say this, who I am talking to. If your life looks like this with no desire to change, but just sit in it, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But the good news is I'm here today is that that's what Jesus comes to change. And to bring us in to light and life. And so I say that to say that fruit doesn't lie. The Bible says that we can recognize believers by the fruit they bear. And so uh, fruit doesn't lie. And so we begin to see this barrier of rebellion is living this way with no desire to change. But again, I know this is hard. Got to get to the hard part. Because we don't get to the hard part, the gospel ain't good. Amen? Amen. So let's go back to John 3 and let's pick up. Now let's talk about some blessing. As we've been talking about the rebellion of religion, we've been talking about the rebellion of uh, the barrier of religion, the barrier of rebellion. Let's look at the blessing of the new birth and what happens. Look with me in verse 4. So Jesus says, Nicodemus, you look good on the outside, but you're messed up on the inside. You need to be born again. And so Nicodemus says in verse 4, Well, how? How can someone be born again? It says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So again, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He doesn't understand spiritual things. So all he does is think from a fleshly point of view. He's like, geez, this is weird. Like, I can't get up. I can't do that again, right? So, not to get too graphic, but listen. uh, So it says, verse 5, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, No one, and he says it again, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Verse 6, flesh gets birth to flesh. That's the natural life. That's that's everything you see. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, 
You must be born again. And this is how he describes it. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So what he's saying is when we get the Spirit, it's like a a wind and this great change happens. So when we confess our sin, we're honest about our darkness, right? Not that we hide it, but we're honest. We confess it. We run to the cross. We give our lives to Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit. And three wonderful truths happen. Listen, number one, our sins are gone. Past, present, future, forgiven. Man, I'm telling you right now, as I look back over my life, it blows me away, the grace of God, that he would see me in my sin and say yes. I want to let everybody know here, Romans 5.8 says, While you are yet sinners, Christ died for you. What came first, your sin or the cross? Listen, Jesus went to the cross before you ever came to be. What that means is, is he saw you, and man, he sees the worst in your life, he's seen the worst in your life, and he didn't stop, he went to the cross anyway. Why? Because he came to seek and save the lost and forgive us of our sin. Man, I'm telling you. When you talk about the grace of God, that's it. That he came to free us. And man, when I think back over my life, our sins are gone. Number two, we get a new nature and new desires. Listen, you're not here at church to get a better version of yourself. We came to the cross to become something brand new. Right? And man, like, that happened in my life. And can I be honest? Can we be transparent in the room? Uh, When I met Christ, it took me a while to get this. Because, man, I had desires and affections for everything I just listed that was dark. I had addictions and lust in my life for things that I had lusted for my whole life. And the thing is, man, when we get born again, we get a new heart, we get the Holy Spirit. But that old flesh is still right here to fight us. This is how you start winning. Listen to me, everyone. As you got affections for your sin, and let me just say this, if sin don't feel good, brother, you ain't doing it right, right? Okay, so listen. As you have affections for sin, what happens as you turn your eyes toward Jesus and gives you the Spirit? He begins to birth greater affections for the Son. Greater than anything you're leaving behind in your flesh and in your sin. And this beautiful thing happens. This new nature begins to birth out of us. These new desires. And we have the Holy Spirit to to lead us. I think of this example. You ever met someone who got born again? Like, someone there like, man, I remember them then. Good gracious, I see them now. I'm from Tombs. I'm scared about it because some of y'all see me on that side. You know what I'm saying, right? It's just like this, man. I was up in uh, Coweta County for a, for a conference. Y'all remember those storms that came through? And, uh, and man, this wind, this, this powerful wind came. And, man, it changed the whole outlook of this city. I mean, it, it, it looked totally different. I saw 40 and 50, 60-foot pine trees that were turned over on their side. And, and, man, there was this, it looked like a brand-new city. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in someone's life. It rearranges everything. That you don't know, you can't see the wind, but you sure see its effects, right? And it's the same way when Jesus comes to meet with someone, you don't get to tangibly see it, but spiritually you say, man, I remember who they were, now I see who they are. Man, it's Jesus that was in between. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. And what does it look like when that happens, okay? I want to flip back to Galatians 6, and I want you guys to look at this. So so as we left with bad news, talking about 
uh, all the fruits of the flesh, of when we're walking in the flesh, the sexual morality, all the things that come out of us. Well, when we get this new nature, when we get the Holy Spirit, when we begin to grow in our intimacy and desire for Jesus, this is what begins to birth and come out of our lives. Verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. We begin to love God, love people. Joy, peace, forbearance. Another word for patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Brothers and sisters, listen. As we submit to the Spirit, those fruits will become more and more of who we are and what we do. It's a new nature, a new way of life. And you can know if you're growing in these things, you're growing in Christ and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And all it is is more confidence that that tends above your head and not a question mark. So I I think about it like this, and I know you're a pastor, and I want you to hear my heart, okay? This very thing, when we get a new nature and new desires, that thing has to be grown and cultivated. We don't get born again and then look like Jesus in two weeks, amen? Amen. I want to show you a chart. I want to walk you through this process right here. If we could get that on the screen. Um, I want to walk you through something here. So this is everyone is going to fall in one of four categories. I I love illustrations like this because it relates with everyone. So number one is rebellious. When we're lost, we may be that person who has not trusted Christ and who lives in rebellion towards God, unconcerned about their faith. Don't matter. Don't know if there's anything after death. Don't know if there's God. Don't care. Now, Maybe we've grown up in spiritual situations, or maybe we've kind of moved toward church. So this is the religious. A person who believes in God, but trusts in their religion for good works instead of in Jesus for salvation. I believe that's a lot of our part of the world, right? And I want to speak to that. Because you see this big red barrier? Man, everything changes when Jesus steps in, right? And this is what happens. When we we get born again, remember, we're, we're fleshly. Right? And everyone, this third little box, everyone on the planet in Christ has a tendency to move to that box. If I could, if I could just share transparently with you. I'm grateful for what God's doing in Dublin. God's doing a lot of good things. But in my life, the last week or so, I've been asking God to move me out of this third box and move me to box four. Lord, let me be freshly surrendered to that very thing you did to me way back when. Let it be fresh. Because what happens in the flesh, this is a person who has trusted Jesus as Savior, but attempts to live the Christian life in their own abilities and goodness. That will suck the life out of you. Just, take, just hear it from me. It'll drain you. I want to tell you what it's like. It's like, man, does anybody have, I don't know if it's called HelloFresh, what are those freezers where you buy them for like, like you have to take out a small loan to get them and they put meat in there for you? You know what I'm talking about? No one. I love it. Y'all are my people, right? I'm from Dublin. They got some. and We, we, still, we still got the, anyway, the 1980s appliances. You are my people. I love being home. Um, but what these things are, you, you have to spend a lot of money on a freezer that's got all the bells and whistles, all this stuff that's nice. And what they do is they stock it for you with vegetables and fruits. and they'll, uh, I don't know about fruit, but they'll, they'll stock it with vegetables and meat. And it's awesome, man. It's an incredible freezer. So just imagine... That you've been given this freezer that's just incredible. You stock it, man. You got all this nice meat and all these good things in it. 
Well, three days later, you go out to get a pack of steaks, and you open up the door, and everything is rotted. Everything has spoiled. Okay? And you're like, what the heck's going on, man? This thing's broken somewhere. Well, you look behind the freezer, and the darn thing ain't plugged in, right? And what it is to live the Christian life, because I believe all of us, at some point in our walk, have unplugged from the Holy Spirit. And what not plugging back in is like is looking at the freezer and buying more steak or trying to fix it and get a, get a better version of a freezer. It don't matter how much money you put in that freezer. If it ain't plugged in, there ain't no energy to do what it was created to do. Listen to me. All of us, we should desire to surrender the dark areas of our life, surrender to Jesus, and be spirit-led. That is coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit. A person who has trusted Christ as Savior and lives under the influence of the Holy Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. When, I was listening to Tony Evans preach on this the other day. In, in, in Ephesians 5, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And the reason why he put drunkenness and the Spirit here is because of what it needs to be. When we come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I mean, I mean, think about it. When you're drunk, like you, you just become different. You're controlled by a substance. Some are happy. Some are mad. Some go to sleep. Um, but, but we become something different. Listen, when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we should be possessed uh, and, and led by the Lord in a way, but when they see us, they're like, man, I knew the old book. That's someone different. There's something else compelling him and using him. That's what it's like to be surrendered to the Spirit of God. And so maybe today, you're, you're maybe in box one, box two, box three. My desire is for everyone to have an encounter with Jesus and be in box four when you leave out of here. And maybe I just want to speak to the person who's in Christ, but it's just gotten stale, man. I'm preaching to you, but it's spilling on to me because this is what I'm going through currently. Of just wanting to be this is the answer. Run back to Jesus. <laughs> Run back and seek him first. It's not about getting better methods for your faith. It's about intimacy with the man that is Christ. And that's what it's about. The last thing I want you to see here, I want to read back in John 3. I want to read verses 13 through 17. This is what God's word says. So he tells them again, he's like, hey, you know, you need to be born again, and now he's going to lay out the why, right? Verse 13, it says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one that came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, verse 15, that everyone who believes may have what? Eternal life in him. Now, verse 16, we've all heard it. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? To save the world through him. Take this with you. We need to see the blessing of eternal life. The blessing of eternal life. It says the very thing, this is what God came to do. This is God's heart. He did not come to leave us in our sin. He came to save us in our sin. The reason he sent Christ is to meet me and you where we are so that we could be with him for all eternity. 
We see it when he created Adam and Eve in the garden. He created people for himself. And the whole story is a plan of rescue and redemption to bring people back to himself. What? How good is it to know our Father for all eternity, man? Right? And I think about God's love. So my wife and I, we have two older adopted boys. We, we, we adopted two, two guys when, when they were in high school. And uh, they're in their 20s now. And, and, uh, and God taught me a lot through that. He taught me a lot. And it's like, man, how much does God love you? How good is the gospel? Because you may have heard the gospel a thousand times, but it should be fresh today. And that I have three children of my own, and like I said, two that are adopted. Well, here's the deal. Jesus is God's son that was like him from his lineage. He, he was perfect. He did not sin and mess up like me and you. And the Bible says when we come to faith in Christ, God adopts us as his children. Brings us into his family. And the cost of that adoption was that he would send his own son to a cross and pay the penalty for our sin on him to adopt me and you. And I've heard that a bunch of times, but then I thought about it. That would be like me sending one of my biological children to purchase and redeem my adopted children. And man, that hit me of, that is what God has done for me and for you. That, that is a love that is hard to comprehend. And maybe you're thinking back on your life, you're thinking back to, golly man, like he did that for me? Yes, you. He did that for someone like me? Yes, he did. He knew you before the foundations of the earth, and again, Romans 5, 8, he made the choice. And maybe you're thinking about, well, well, well man, how, how could he accomplish such a thing? How could he, how could he achieve a salvation? How could he do such a, a, a thing? How could he purchase uh, and redeem me from my past, my present, and my future? I want you to uh, read with me uh, verses 13, and four, I'm sorry, verses uh, 14. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone, that's the woman at the well, that's the person far from God today, that's the person that's just kind of walking in the flesh today, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. But that is really weird that you're talking about a snake in the wilderness. What was happening in that text is that Moses had a staff with a snake on it. And when he would hold that staff up, God gave victory in battle for Israel's people. Like, but why would they have a snake and how does that represent Jesus? You see, that snake represents the curse of sin. That was the form the enemy took in the garden when sin came into the cosmos, when it came into the world. And when the Son of Man was lifted up, he was becoming the curse of sin for us. He took on the weight of all you and I had done. He became a curse in himself. So that verse 15, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That's amazing. That's how God accomplished this great work. That's the testimony that he wrote about Nicodemus to hand down to us. And so as we center the room here how do I respond to this message three ways and all of us man we all have a response number one 
if you're like me, you've never come, uh, like I was, if you've never come to faith in Jesus, number one, it's just believe in the message. Be honest about your sin, confess and come into the light and Jesus will save you right there in your seat. And that you may have life, eternal life, the blessing of the Holy Spirit and eternal life. Number two, remain surrendered and get reconnected to the Holy Spirit. Maybe some you're just like that, you're just like that freezer of God has he's done some good things in you and has borne some good things in your life, but somewhere along the way, it just became religious motion. Preachers aren't exempt from this. I don't want to do a million good things. I want to be connected to the one good thing, and that's life in Christ. And so today is no better day than to get reconnected with the Holy Spirit. And then number three, embrace Jesus' mission and make disciples. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. In verse 17 it says, He did this to save the world, not to condemn it. Well, how is God going to save the world? Church, we are his plan. We are the plan A, to reach the world, and Jesus has no plan B. If you've received this news, there's someone that needs it, that needs you to share it with them, to begin to build a relationship and lead them to Christ. And so all of us, man, as we get ready to respond, if you need to come pray, if you need to sign up for a next step, I pray, I believe I've said what God wanted me to say, I pray you'll do what God calls you to do. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if you don't know Christ. And again, you're welcome to come and pray. Whatever God leads you to do, I pray you would listen. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I love you. And I thank you. Golly, I thank you for the gospel. God, thank you for how much you love us. Lord, I pray right now in this moment, if there's someone in here that would say, but I, I heard it, man. I've heard it with my ears, but today I heard it in my heart. I know God's calling me into a relationship with himself. I've heard the gospel clearly. And today's the day. I want to give my life to Christ. As an extension of faith and step into the light, would you just lift your hand and say, but that's me today. Today's the day. Is that anyone in the house today? Give you guys just a moment. Amen. Lord, for the rest of us, I pray. As we've heard your word, God, I pray that uh, you would continue to move and work in our lives, God. Help us to remember the goodness of God, the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that. I thank you for how good you are, how good you have been. Lord, I pray we would uh, worship well in this last song. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, God.